Big Sid Vicious, tonight you're going to be vying for a shot at the WCW Championship here at Sin. Many say you should have won that title from Steiner at Starcade last month. The fact remains that tonight you're going to get in there with Jarrett, a mystery man, and I'm sure all of you are going to be gunning for Big Papa Pump. See, nothing would make me happier to see Jarrett and Steiner run like frightened children. And as far as the mystery opponent goes, I'll have to say, because Ric Flair's made the decision, it's on the up and up. But you got to realize something. I am the original madman of WCW. And I'm here for one reason, to take back what is mine. And I will choke slam everyone through the ring straight to... Hello and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, taking you all back in the time machine for yet another year, our ninth, if my calculations are correct, beginning here with WCW for January 2001. Uh, a new year, but the same faces from last month for WCW. Pete Kimber just couldn't stay away. Good evening, everybody. Yes, had to come back, obviously, seeing the new year. Eric Landstrom has little choice in the matter. It's a new year and a new era in WCW. No, not that new era. And no, not that one. And not the most recent one, but another <laughs> new era is upon us. How long will this one last? Let's find out. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Quick bit of housekeeping for you. Look out for our other January shows dropping very shortly on our Wrestling 20 Years Ago Network. WWF, where Chris White will have you covered, read the Royal Rumble and all that. And I would wager an ECW show with Chris Lacey, but can safely be called not to be missed. I have in my hand a piece of paper, issue number 637 of the Pro Wrestling Torch, to be precise, and this is the headline. Turner sells WCW to Fusion Media Ventures. Eric Bischoff, back in charge, named president of WCW Entertainment, Turner retains share. And Wade Keller's article begins as follows. Time Warner's decade-plus ownership of WCW is coming to an end. A press conference was held Thursday morning, January the 11th, to announce that Fusion Media Ventures were heading up an investment group purchasing WCW. Eric Bischoff was named WCW Entertainment president. It took months of negotiating, coming up short on money several times and seeking new financial partners, but now closing the deal appears but a legal formality. Bischoff attended the pay-per-view on Sunday and Nitro the next night. He spoke as the new leader of WCW, but admitted he doesn't have any legal power to change any contracts or overhaul the company until the deal is legally closed, expected to be within 30 to 60 days. So who are Fusion Media Ventures? Well, you might well ask, given the fact it's so hard for me to say their name for whatever reason. Brand new on the horizon, not mentioned on any of our previous shows, but they were founded by Tom Lasserly, former Time Warner executive, mm -hmm, Brian Badol, and Stephen Greenberg, who is supposedly the son of Hank Greenberg of Major League Baseball. Quote again, they launched with $30 million of capital, with the goal being to provide early funding for 15 to 20 sports, music and video game website companies. 
ESPN purchased the network for $200 million. That's the classic sports network run by Bedol and Greenberg and changed the name to ESPN Classics. So these people are coming in with a bit of pedigree. Jump ahead. Bedol is the main fusion partner who will be active in running WCW along with Bischoff. Bedol was at the pay-per-view on Sunday and will run the business end of the promotion. In essence, he may be Bischoff's boss, although the two are publicly touting their relationship as a partnership. Turner, Time Warner remain a minority partner in the deal. Turner wanted to sell WCW since it tallied more than $60 million in losses last year, as we have mentioned. But it wanted to retain the relatively highly rated programming rights. Sources say one of Siegel's concerns was that Fusion have the funding necessary to not only purchase WCW, but run it effectively for the foreseeable future. The sale price for WCW has not been disclosed but believed to be currently in the 10 to $20 million range. Plus, assuming the contracts and other financial commitments on WCW's books, and we all know what they are, which could add up to tens of millions more dollars. As far as the TV is concerned, WCW will continue to air Nitro and Thunder on TNT and TBS for years to come. Brad Siegel did not want to tell us how many years years to come meant, but Bischoff has expressed the desire to not only keep Nitro on Mondays, but, oh yes, shifted to an hour later, so it once again goes head-to-head with Raw for the full two hours. Also, when I was sifting through this very excitedly earlier today, I came across the fascinating suggestion, put forward mainly by Biddle, it should be said, that WCW look into... I'm going to stumble over my words on this one because I can barely even imagine it's going to be the case. Doing joint pay-per-views with the World Wrestling Federation for for effect. I think we can probably put that one in. uh, I'll believe it when I see it fall. But then so much of this has made that fall overflow over the last three months. Expect the unexpected, I think, is the watchword here. Eric, I'm going to throw to you first. There is a major caveat to this deal that I will mention shortly, but your first comments on what looks at this point to finally be very close, if not quite there yet, I need to say that, to the crossing of the T's and dotting of the I's and World Championship Wrestling finally being under new management. What are your early thoughts? Well, General McNamara, I don't want to stumble over your uh, spoiler or bury your lead, so I'm just going to throw out that uh, the sale wasn't complete by recording time of there the show. Goes. So, you know, that, that is something to keep in mind, although these things are complicated and they take time. And a major media company that just merged with another major media company as of the 11th of January uh, is going to take some time to kind of unwind and divest itself from, you know, what is itself a large company in WCW. We've equated it, and it's just good to remind our, everybody, ourselves even, that this is basically the size of a large professional sports team. And those sales take months, and they can take even years. And the problem here is that they don't have years, and so things are moving fast, and they're trying to like fill in the details as it's going along. I have seen some reports that they have to get this deal done by March, or uh, Turner is just going to straight up close or fold WCW. March 30th is the date I have read. There have been some disputes about that. um, And of course, all the interested parties in the sale have vehemently denied it. But if this is a 
tight window to get a sale like this done, especially with a new media venture uh, with people that kind of have new money. And, you know, they've they have the classic sports behind their belt. But this isn't you know, this isn't people with the longest pedigree. They just have a recent pedigree. There's a lot of red tape here to sort out. That said, it does appear, all things considered, that we're finally on the cusp of at least a separation between Turner, Time Warner, AOL, and WCW operationally. And that's probably for the best for everybody, because if this deal goes through, say what you will about Bischoff, but wrestling companies should be run as wrestling companies, not as media ventures, and not as um, arms of, of big big conglomerates. Uh We've seen what happens. WCW can get lost in the fold here. And so I think that's good if if the right people are going to be running it. But, you know, we can worry about that down the line. Gosh, it sure looks like we're, we're there, but would have liked to see pen on paper by the end of the month. And then uh, the other concern, and I don't have to go into much detail on this, is Eric Bischoff basically running back his vision of WCW. And we've seen how that went. He'll probably have some immediate success and then sustainability is going to be a real problem for him. So whether or not this is a a sustainable model, even if it goes through remains to be seen. So I have concerns about the immediacy of the deal and I have concerns about its lasting uh, possibilities, but so far so good, I guess. Peter, I never thought I'd see the day. Indeed, we haven't quite seen the day yet, but we're almost there now, aren't we? Aren't we? Well, we were spoken this time last month. I think we were very speculative, weren't we, about this whole thing? And is it a bit pie in the sky? Is it going to happen? I think we probably hoped that something would happen, but we were still on the back foot as opposed to they were. It seems like we've moved forward, or certainly WCW have moved forward in terms of um, the sale and the sorry, the purchase, should I say, and then the moving away from from Turner. I think um, Eric mentioned the one thing for me. I think there's another quote in the torch from. Bischoff about the first thing we have to do is improve the product, no shit, uh, chart direction, really, and have a long-term plan. I mean, I think he's been saying that since, what, 98, 99, probably, and that's when this all kind of got him to the state they're in now. So the main worry, of course, is they can do all this and they can get a new company involved and start again, but you've got the same, we mentioned it last month, you've got the same players in the same positions there's a mention of contracts there. These people aren't going to be giving up that that big money and that stroke in the back and that 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 way of manipulating what they want. So what is going to change? So we may get this deal done, you know, by the end of the month uh, or by March. But what's going to happen? That's going to be really interesting to see. Let's hope it goes through for the sake of, of WCW and, and some of the wrestlers on there who, who probably uh, deserve the chance to, to earn their money and do their do their thing. But I'm still a little bit, you know, standoffish about it until it actually goes through. I mean, if we're sitting here next month in front of talking about this and it's gone through, fair enough, we'll hold our hands up. We've got to give these guys a chance to, to run with the ball again. So let's just wait and see. Rory. Yes, sir. Was there anything, I didn't see anything in any of the pages this month or anything that I drummed up that explained what the kind of how they're going to solve this intersection of wrestlers that have contracts that go beyond their WCW deals, i.e. contracts that like, like Hogan has entertainment deals with TBS time Warner. And some of those guys have, you know, kind of secondary deals with those, with those companies. Yes. I don't understand how this is going to work if they're going to divest themselves from WCW 
and then have guys under contract for separate entertainment deals? That 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 seems to me like a question that nobody's really thought to ask. No, that's a very good question, which is probably why it hasn't been asked. That does actually tie into something we're going to talk about when we discuss the pay-per-view a bit later on. One of the main players there, I think the way he ended up being treated during that pay-per-view contractually might well have had quite a lot to do with it. And if you look at the list, and it's a very long list, as we know, of the WCW active talent roster, the vast majority of them who are they would have their contract subsumed as part of any sale. Very few of them are what you would call the big name players. And mm. I do wonder if any backer of Bischoff's, I wonder how aware of this they are. I mean, they're getting the name, they're getting the TV by the sound of it. Well, it's still going to be shown on Turner, which I find quite the conflict of interest. But what are Fusion Media Ventures going to do when they realize that the contracts of Kevin Nash, Bill Goldberg, even Sting, remember him? They're not going to be instantly carried over as part of this deal. They're going to have to be done separately. Now, it might well be that along with the sale, that they might have come to some form of agreement on that. But as far as I could tell, Eric, I haven't seen anything specifically about that. And you've got to wonder about the worth of World Championship Wrestling. I mean, apparently it's coming in at 10 to 20 million anyway, which seems a little on the low side for the yeah. company of a supposed pedigree. I mean, we know what a money pit it has been over the last three years, but the name value is still there as much as we might even try to deny it at times. And if it's just 20 million maximum, then you can look at that and think, yeah, this probably isn't including the heavy hitters. And I think that's something they need to watch going forward. Eric, you did make reference to it there. And I will keep this fly spinning around the ointment for a while that, the new owners have six to eight weeks to examine the books. And I bet they're going to love doing that one on Monday morning. It is very possible that it's been said by more than one insider that if they open the first page or blow the dust off it, I should say, I haven't done so, find them all been stuck together, wrench the padlock off it and see that the numbers are not to their liking, then there is still the legal possibility that they could pull out of this deal. No questions asked. And Eric, I don't think it's us being overly cynical to make reference to that on this program. And the fact that if it were to occur, even after everything we've discussed over the last 15 minutes, I don't think any of us would be that surprised. Oh, no, I I, I don't think so. I think this is as good as it's looked so far. But I, there are just some some kind of weird questions that aren't necessarily being uh, address i'm sure they're being addressed but they're not being reported on and that's mm. that's where I, you know me and my on, with my investigation hat on starts to you know the antenna starts to beep a little bit never take it off Eric just going back to mr hogan uh, rory i believe yeah. his contract yes. expires in march it so does. there's another timeline that tallies in that i don't know will he end up if it does go ahead and does go through by that deadline does Bischoff or do they make a call? Does Bidol go, well, actually, is Hogan worth the X million dollars and all the, we know, hassle that comes along with him in terms of, you know, the power and backstage? Or is there a clean break and Hogan's a little bit in no man's land? That would be quite one to look out for when this, this eventually goes through in March, if it does. I am convinced with no proof, but... It doesn't matter. I'm still convinced, and that is the word, that negotiations between those two are taking place almost certainly the very second we record this programme, Peter. 
I just don't think Bischoff's got the temerity. I don't think he's got the balls, quite frankly, to say that to Hogan. I don't think he's just going to let Hogan go quietly. Mm. It's part of Bischoff's problem. He did it in 94. He did it in 96 slightly differently, and it worked for about a year or so. But he has bent over backwards to accommodate Hulk Hogan over the last six years. No, I'm not going to make the obvious joke. But (laughs) I just... I can I can see it happening, and I can see Hogan being paraded, maybe even with the ticker tape again. Uh, the first Nitro, should there be one, April 2001. Mm. We've been ground down too many times by this, I think. And I am not going to believe that Hogan is out of the picture until I hear that Hogan is out of the picture. And probably not even then. But this is not a new rodeo for us, is it? Let's be honest. And you've got talk that. Kevin Nash is still obviously sniffing around. One thing I will say about Bishop, he's on record this month as calling Kevin Nash the worst booker of all time. <laughs> so I'm uh, Bishop is talking a good game in certain quarters anyway. So credit where credit is due on that one. But if he does end up, as we discussed a couple of months ago, throwing the book to bloody Hogan and there's not a brick hidden behind it, then we could be having Jim, this discussion again in six months. Jim Hurd excels or exhales <laughs> finally. <laughs> Uh, wanted to call Ric Flair Spartacus doesn't seem such a bad idea now, does it? Just another question for you, Peter, on Bischoff. His role in this one I do find quite curious. He's the president of WCW Entertainment. I'm not sure how long that title has actually existed for, but there you are. He is attached as part of Fusion, must be said. He is really the figurehead, though, from what I've been able to tell. And I suppose if March the 30th comes round, and it is still the case that Eric Bischoff himself has paid, as is the case as we record this, zero dollars, zero cents towards the supposed sale, then that one might come back to bite him. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it, with zero. So so how you kind of think, how has he got himself to where he is? I guess it's name value or previous previous examples of running the company, albeit now into the ground and then the sixty million pound, sixty million dollar loss last year. So He's really banking on that. I think he goes back to his uh, Nitro, doesn't he, when he first brought us that and took on Vince 87, 88 weeks, whatever it was, that that whole scenario. So I think he's really banking on reputation as opposed to bankrolling anything himself. So the risk, I guess, is not really for him. It's for the other people. So Bish was probably, you know, it's his last stab to get back to where he was, I think. But there's no buying from his is there so there's no real loss apart from reputation which right now i think in the industry probably isn't great anyway so you could say it's win-win for for, for good old eric isn't it i think if he finds himself in a situation where he needs to get another backer then maybe not if when fmb because i'm not going to say their name anymore <laughs> do react to the books as there's a very real chance that they will and they pull out and they find out that Bischoff has just been telling them porkies all this time. And we know over the last two months, he's been desperately searching for backers. Even names like George Steinbrenner being thrown around. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, I don't think he's going to come across any other conglomerates that are going to be quite so no. forthcoming. This is definitely it, isn't it? And it's never been closer. So it, this is this is it. I think it's uh, you know what or bust by the sounds of it. Yeah, Eric, do you think this is it for Bischoff? Well, it's hard to say because, like, I feel like we've had this conversation every month for almost half a year. We have. That's why. (laughs) Right. 
And so every time we think he's on the ropes or every time, you know, we start administering that 10 count, he just pops right back up and finds another, I don't want to say rube, we'll say willing participant in his, um, in his attempts to buy this company. And so you can't say Bischoff, you can say Bischoff was a lot of things, but you can't say that he, he, he's persistent is, is, is my point. Like, I don't see him, I don't see him tr- stopping this attempt to buy this company until either he owns it or somebody else owns it. And until that pen is put to paper and the money, you know, and the wire crosses the, the Atlantic and the transfer is, you know, made into some account in the Cayman Islands, like, I think he's going to keep trying. I really do. Bischoff can be a hard man to like at times, but I don't think that really bothers him all that much, really. It does concern me that he hasn't outright said that this person or this person aren't going to be involved come April, assuming that's when it takes place. And that that gives me the chills, quite frankly. That's one of Bischoff's problems. The old maxim, what's the point in always looking back when all you see is more and more junk? But Eric still wants to live off those glories of 96 and to a much lesser extent the summer of 94 and you know who i'm talking about there but let's um let's lighten the mood a little bit because i still i can just the air of skepticism all three of us again it's a hard earned over the last four (laughs) months or so but i don't think any of us are really we're going to be not present at the lighting of the touch paper let's say that i'm not nothing is agreed until everything is agreed i think is the phrase here but let's have a little bit of a laugh peter WCW and WWF co-branded pay-per-views without keeling over laughing, if at all possible. <laughs> discuss. Well, you can imagine one day in our lives, this, this, that, that could be the dream, but absolute pie in the sky that, that Vince is going to ever, you know, coexist with WCW, if not just to be allowed to completely destroy them or have the, the sole booking power on that particular event or that series. So, it's, it's just a non-starter to be, unless Vince has, you know, complete and utter power over it. Cause he's the guy in the, in the box seat. I can't imagine him bowing down and letting, you know, WCW champions defeat, you know, WWF champions. Like the rock takes a, takes a loss to Kevin Nash as an example on pay-per-view. Well, I, don't, be, just, don't, yeah. don't be giving the latter ideas on that one. Peter. Do, do you know I'm what sure I mean? He's already <laughs> thought about it. But even well, so. you can imagine that it being played <laughs> like that. Vince would be just, I can imagine him chuckling away in his, in his, ivory office in uh, in connecticut there going yes this is never never going to happen i think for the for the for the fan obviously in terms of we all dream book scenarios don't we, we all look at feuds and matches you want to you want to see maybe this is going back obviously way back in time but it, it's never happened is it in pretty much all this time so you just can't see i think that person may be showing a little bit of his ESPN Classics uh, head as opposed to wrestling company head there, I would suggest. Yeah, it worries me, Eric, about Mr. Biddle's eye for the business, to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, they used to do this. Vince McMahon will never do this. So, I mean, it's just it's just fun to talk about, but it's never going to happen. But, like, in the 80s, and maybe even in the early 90s, when the territories were, were kind of crumbling, uh, like the Dallas would do interpromotional shows with either the AWA or Memphis. And then they always had to do either bullshit finishes or it was just, it just never works because like the reason territorial wrestling works is because you could kind of keep your guys strong in that area and tell the stories you wanted to tell, but you wouldn't ever put the 
top guy in one territory against the top guy from another territory unless the territories were either going to have a long program together uh, or they were consolidating. And that's just not going to happen between these two companies. And so it's just never going to happen. And if it did, uh, we'd have three hours of and then some sort of non-finish between Austin and Goldberg. It just it would, Not only is it never going to happen, but it would be a terrible show. Yes, that's the thing. It'd be awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I don't know. Can you imagine those backstage discussions? The, the, the blood on the walls. I hate to be the cleaner on the Monday morning um, to try to sort that lot out. It's going to be quite the mess back there. And it is very much fun to think about. We've all done this in our bedrooms and garages or whatever, but that's probably the best place to keep this sort of stuff. And I do hope on this, Mr. Bischoff put his backer. Just, just let him know that maybe next year. Because you know Bischoff would love to do it, but I do think of all things Bischoff is a realist. Pugnacious, yes, but he just about manages to keep his feet on the ground, and I reckon he got that one right. So, Peter, just one more on this, because it really is a case of sitting back and letting these solicitors solicit over the next 60 days. But let's assume that WCW is successfully bought by Bischoff and his FMB backers. And as has been talked about, they might be actually cutting back on pay-per-views. They might not be monthly for a while. There's even talk of the TV going dark in early April to completely rewrite some storylines. Where just briefly do you think they go or at least want to go creatively and what stuff we could be talking about on these shows in three or four months time? Well, I think that sounds sensible which is a thing you've probably not said about WCW for a hell of a long time in terms of let's just take a step back and calm things down a little bit. Let's not have the pressure to produce so much content and deliver pay-per-view and shows. So um, what you might see is what Eric did say then, isn't it, was get a clear direction. So he's really got to choose the people who are going to figurehead um, the new WCW He's also got to think about the mid-card guys, the guys, the, the youngsters or the guys who are in there right now who are showing maybe also, does you look outside of um, WCW, you look outside to other parts of the world, you know, sort of from Japan. They've obviously been through Mexico way back when, you know, the Cruiserweight division began. They've got to think about uh, how are they going to, going to launch themselves? What's going to be their, their brand that's going to compete and be slightly different or they're going to just going to literally head on for, for WWF in terms of their content and you know the PG-14 on the slightly risque stuff that's been going on because it sounds like Eric's up for the fight isn't he moving Nitro let's, let's get competitive go one-on-one -on -one. but he's got to do something different or we're just going to be pressing pressing repeat repeat aren't we all over again so it'd be interesting if he does go I know he has some links, obviously, with, with Japan in the past, some, some talent over that way. And just, I think you've got to get away from the, the, the old guys and the new guys scenario we had previously as well. But he's got to build stars. He's got to build something that's different or it's literally going to be exactly the same. And we'll be, we'll be back here in a year's time with the same issues and the same losses and the same crazy decisions that he made. So I think stripping it right back, stop paying the celebrity aspect, stop paying, you know, Kiss, whatever they paid them to go and play a, a concert or these, you know, Master P, all these things he did in the past where they weren't wrestling, they were to gain a, a rating here, a point two, or, you know, increase a, a third of a final hour, whatever it may have been. He really needs just to go back to, you know, writing a really good wrestling show, 
you know, if you can go on the road, you know, generate some some interest, but really have a good show that's that's follow that follows storylines, doesn't cut things off, has pay-per-views that have, you know, crap finishes and we actually get clear, coherent stuff happening, he could be onto something. You know, that's why I think he needs to look at everything really. Everything's open, the 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 checkbook will be open, I would imagine, but so is the canvas. So he's just gonna have a good look at it all and use that experience that what went really well might go well again now but it also we are a few years later but he's got to go back to some of the tried and trusted things that happened and hope that we're still up for it it's an interesting in it yeah eric he has talked about toning down the product again although i feel like he's been doing that a lot regardless of where he's been sat over the last two or three years so we'll see about that yeah just your thoughts on where you think the creative might go and indeed if they would be best served by taking their tvs off the air for a few weeks just to get all their ducks in a row i mean big picture i kind of think every wrestling product would 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 benefit from some sort of mini hiatus like every sports league takes every sports league takes a break i mean some leagues take longer breaks than others but like what a month off tv showing best of packages and running interview segments and those sorts of things really hurt the world wrestling federation no and i think wcw can take advantage of that here too they did it last year and they ran, um, they also ran highlights packages over the holidays. So they've already kind of started to take down their production levels. Here's the thing. I don't think they have any freaking clue what they're going to do. Because, Rory, you're right. They've said, oh, we want to tone down the product. We want to make it family friendly. We want to focus on the in-ring product. And really so far, uh, the, the product this month does reflect that. But they've also talked about moving the show to Las Vegas, um, which... In, on one hand, implies like a touristy type, you know, show. But on the other hand, there is some connotation with Las Vegas that is more adult and more risque. Um, the other thing is, and I, this has just been something that has popped up a little bit here and there. I don't know that it's been officially reported, but there has been a, a number of unofficial rumblings of Joey Styles being kind of courted by this Bischoff team. And so that would also cut against their desires to maybe run a wholesome family and product because if you know joey styles has not shown an ability to to do that as part of his presentation of a wrestling show so i think they're just feeling things out right now and i i don't think they they're they've committed to any sort of type of presentation other than telling potential partners exactly what they think those partners need to hear that's it isn't it i doubt there's been too much creative based discussion right now because as i've said i said it before and i'll say it again I think Bischoff is spending his precious hours right now in in-depth discussions in between a bit of hanging and banging on Venice Beach, if you get what I'm coming from. So <laughs> Bischoff needs to just make a decision on that one. And you know the one that I would make if, I, if he ever came to me asking for advice. I'm sure he listens every month. And just get on with getting the here. They need to hit the ground running on this. And we keep saying the first week in April, it might even be before that. And they need to be ready. Because fans will be tuning in the first Nitro, Thunder and Pay-Per-View. Something's never changed. Thunder and Pay-Per-View. And they will want to know that the new company is going places. I'm not saying there need to necessarily be wholesale changes on TV. If they do take themselves off the air for a few weeks and then come back. I've heard some stories about having everybody hand in their title belt which seems a little excessive that's 
Now, that's real year zero stuff. I'm not sure we need to go there, but it well, was they, memorable. They, else. they did it just a year ago, too. So, like, let's not do it that did. again. Because yeah. it did and nothing. We, it, it did absolutely nothing. Nobody needs to be reminded of that night of April 2000. But and are people, we to assume on that basis that Vince Russo will be nowhere near this at all, then, still, from that point of view? It is still in the, he's still in the torch. He's still on lots of... His mm. name's there, isn't it? It's still out there I mean, around it. Again, I'm gonna I'm praising Bischoff far too often this half hour. I don't think Bischoff wants to work with Russo again. I think uh, only dear old Ed Ferrara now would probably who is the head writer of Nitro at the moment, it must be said, would be happy to welcome Vinnie Rue back. And also WCW need to ask themselves this question. Now, do they really want another shoe in for our Russo award in eleven months' time? Do they really want that on their conscience? I don't think so. Uh, hopefully, Peter, and thanks for bringing that up, by the way. I think I think we've seen the last of him. Just keep touching that wooden table in front of you. Yes, everybody. So a quick bit of live housekeeping on here for you as well. If, if the sale goes through next month and we can finally start getting back to normal on this one, then these shows will start getting going back, getting going back to normal as well. Yes, the, the old style format where we're not spending all this time talking about news, but let's face it, we've had to for the last four months. We can give some proper pay-per-view focus as well, TVs, all of that game. But I think it's only right and proper that we keep our powder dry at this point too. Who knows what is happening right now as we record this show? And it is very important that we bring that to you first and foremost above all. But the mood music is there. It's a little off key at the moment. I'm not sure what they're going to do when they get to the middle eight. But the first verses and chorus, I'm tapping my toe. And let's hope we hit a big crescendo in a couple of weeks time. And this sale of WCW does go through so we can finally start talking about something bloody else. One thing we are going to talk about now is the Sin pay-per-view that took place on the 14th of this month. Peter, if you would furnish us with the results, good sir. Indeed, indeed. So, Chavo Guerrero Jr. defeated Shane Helms to retain the uh, Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Reno defeated Big Vito uh, in a, uh, a surprise match, or an, uh, an added bonus match. Uh, the Young Dragons, uh, with Leo Meow, defeated Evan Courageous and Jamie Noble. Uh, Ernest Miller defeated uh, Mike Sanders. Team Canada, who was Elix Skipper, Lance Storm and Mike Awesome. Uh, with obviously major guns, defeated the Filthy Animals, uh, Billy Kidman, Conan, and Rey Mysterio Jr. with Tigress. Uh, Meng defeated Crowbar with the ever-screaming Daphne and Terry Funk to win the WCW Hardcore Championship that he already had in his hand, but he retained it, obviously won it from him. Uh, the Natural Born Thrillers defeated the Insiders, so it's Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare defeated... Uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Kevin Nash to win the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Shane Douglas defeated General Rection uh, in a first blood chain match to win the United States Championship. Uh, and totally buffed Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell defeated Goldberg and good old Sarge Dwayne Bruce in a no DQ match. Uh, and since he lost, Goldberg was forced to, to retire or leave WCW. And Scott Steiner uh, defeated Jeff Jarrett, Sid Vicious, and the mystery, I won't give it away now, the mystery uh, opponent in a four corners match to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. 
Uh, yes, the mystery opponent. Oh, we'll get to it. And by the way, Peter, just a word of warning for you, okay? Don't let Lacey hear you call Daphne the ever-screaming Daphne ever again. Okay? Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for that message in the inbox. <laughs> Instant message coming to you right now, no doubt. Eric, <laughs> we will talk about the final two matches shortly, but for now, pick anything else you would like from this pay-per-view, your general thoughts, matches you think we should have a brief chat about. I was like, yeah. say, at this point of the show, the floor is yours. Sure, and I'll just do my typical rundown here. Uh, starting at the top, uh, Canseco Fieldhouse, Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the uh, Indianapolis uh, or the Indiana Pacers basketball team. Uh, capacity 18,000. Announced attendance here 6,600. So maybe a scale down is in order, as we've been advocating for for quite some time now. Um, and Tony Schiavone does say it's a new era again. So take a shot for the new era. Um, did you guys notice that the sound mixing for this pay-per-view was just absolutely horrible? Just something, yeah, something, something that so, I noticed. Yeah. It was, on, on my, my tape, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crazy. It was just, everything seemed like it was maxed out. It was horrible. Uh, so the opening match, uh, Guerrero over Helms, I thought was pretty good. I, they kept it in the ring. And I think these first several matches, almost the first hour of the show, they basically kept it in the ring, limited their high spots, clean finishes, no complaints, really, about the Cruiserweight title match. Perfectly fine. Um, I, I will note this is about the fourth time in the last nine or ten months that WCW has run a mystery partner angle or a mystery somebody angle. So it's getting a little bit tired. It's becoming a little bit of a booking trope for them. Um, I think it started at Super Brawl last year. And so uh, in the last, yeah, 11 months, they've run this three or four times. Get better. Uh, again, Reno and Vito, perfectly fine match. Uh, I missed Marie personally, but I'm, I might be alone on that. Um, but a, a clean finish. Clean finish in the Young Dragons Courageous Noble match as well. And they ran a traditional tag style within the flips and stuff. Uh, the finish was a little bit botched, but you take risks and they pay off and they don't. It's an undercard match and we're willing to forgive it. Another one, Miller and, 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 and Mike Sanders. A good heel versus face match they kept it in the ring and the first time they used interference in the night and it was well placed and it played into stuff later on and it was good um i i really didn't have any complaints even about the that stupid penalty box match with the uh the team canada versus the filthy animals except for that the stipulation didn't make sense if you thought about it too much but also i guess my biggest complaint was that having that much talent ray mysterio lance storm uh, Billy Kidman, uh, even Conan, who knows how to work, kind of confined with that. And having Jim Duggan be clearly the most popular person in the match as the uh, special referee was maybe not what you want to do to build young stars, but I think it was fine. It was not not objectionable, per se. Uh, any amount of Ming is makes the show better. So I will just say... You know, having Ming be part of this weird WCW hardcore division, fine. Uh, Ming versus Terry Funk, give it to me all day. I don't care. That was fine. Um, and and then it really started to turn, and stop me if you've heard this one before, as we turn the corner into the second half of the show. And where it really started to turn down was then every match, the Thrillers versus the Insiders had a bunch of interference and, and inconsistent booking I like the outcome, but I think, again, you see these matches that feature the older guys, and they're so protected, and there has to be so much interference. They can't just take a loss. would have been fine. Douglas versus Morris was absolute nonsense. Uh, 
and I'll stop there because uh, the show kind of peaked halfway through for me and then kind of started to take a dip. And then I think the end of the show was something that could not have been helped. And I think it just kind of shows that like even no pun intended, when you put your best foot forward, sometimes it just doesn't doesn't work. Peter, what did you make of the first two hours and 20 minutes or so of the Sin pay-per-view? I think, to be fair, with all that's been going on and all that is currently going on, in the last couple of months, they've been putting on some pretty half-decent shows, though, WCW. I've watched, we've watched a lot over the years that have been absolute, you know, or just painful to watch. But a bit like Eric, I had no real complaints for the first... I'd say the penalty box matches when you just start to think, here comes WCW with the stipulations and the, just the crazy, why not just have a six-man tag and let these guys go for it? Because there is, as you say, a lot of talent out there who could have delivered some some big moves and some some really good action. But I guess they had to have good old Hacksaw out there doing his thing, which is a nice little uh, little nod to the past. And he was getting the biggest, uh, biggest pops of the night as well, bless him. So that was something different, I suppose. Um, yeah, then it did start to fall away a little bit. Um, but I think the, the first, I think Vito and uh, Reno, the only thing I didn't like was the finish. I'm not a big, the roll of the dice looks to me for a big guy. And oh, it's awful. That, it's an absolutely shocking finisher. There's no impact. There's no actual, he takes the, the, the bump with his head facing up but not touching anything. So it's not actually any impact to the move. So for that guy, they're big, two big guys and they went for it. To, to end it with that finisher is just, I don't know, it just didn't didn't look right, didn't feel right. But those two surprised, I think, a lot of people on the night. And you know, that feud's been been quite an interesting one. So uh, where it goes from here, I don't know, because obviously uh, he's moved over Reno into the, the natural-born thrillers. So I guess they've won the tag title. So maybe he's now part of a successful faction. But then Mike Sanders is now, you know, back to where he was. I think he's probably the least talented guy out of the natural born fillers, which is not saying a great deal for a few of them. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I thought, I've meant you quite right just to see the guy <laughs> just repeatedly have his head smashed against that um, roller shutter consistently and then just, yeah, keep doing it. I'm not bothered. It's just, it just, he's the perfect guy to be a hardcore uh, champion in in you know 2001 with Terry Funk still they even mentioned the lack of cartilage in Funk's knees again so you know putting that over that you know he's hardcore that was mentioned a hell of a lot as well not a big fan of Crowbar those chair shots at the start were flimsy at best to someone like Terry Funk who's you know taking a damn sight heavier than that and I've got to mention Daphne almost Bill Alfonso levels of shut up basically you're ruining you know ruining the match i'll probably get in trouble for that as you always said rory but i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make a stand on it right there you know why not um and then i think the booking moving forward i, I, I like the fact that the insiders lost i think that's that's no bad bad thing you know nash and page don't need to be tag team champions what that means it means more to palumbo and o'hare the chain match with the chain being so high in the air and shane obviously he hid he, he hid a chain down his trunks at the beginning didn't they but he also had it spared down his um, his knee pads. So you kind of think, why don't you just go into the knee pads a lot quicker and just take him out a lot quicker? But I guess we have to have this convoluted match. We eventually get to a ladder. So it could have been a really much better ladder match, I suppose, to get to that chain. Um, but it looks like it was a 
a proper proper shot that um, uh, G-Rection took there because I don't think he there certainly wasn't any attempt to do the usual blade job. I don't think. I think he took that pretty heavy that that chain shot. So fair play to him. For, unless I missed that. Unless you guys spotted a, uh, that happening, I'm not sure. No, I had the same question actually. I think he hardwayed him, and I think Shane just hit it right on the right on the, yeah. the target. And it looked nasty when he when he was laying down there. It was proper. It was, and I thought. He, his hands are out by his side, so he's taken that. So fair play for putting that over. And uh, Douglas is probably, you know, he's okay on the mic. I think that's about it. That, that's Shane Douglas, isn't it? I don't think there's anything more we can say about him. Um, and that kind of leads us, I think, into the last couple of matches, Rory. There really is nothing else we can say about Shane Douglas. It's part of the reason I've changed the pay-per-view formats. It's best for all concerned, I think. Although I'm going to mention him again now, I enjoyed taking up the final two matches. I enjoyed this pay-per-view as much as it's possible to enjoy a pay-per-view in which Shane Douglas wins a title. Now, there's a pretty large <laughs> drain factor at play there, but even so, this pay-per-view was a lot of fun. I thought it was paced really well. Very sensible choice of opener. I thought the bonus match was well-picked as well. Those guys in particular were really grappling with each other, breaking out all the big stuff. I felt they were in the shop window and they were trying to impress a certain somebody who was in attendance. And I know he doesn't love that style necessarily. He's been able to fill 20, 30 minutes on Nitro for the last few years on it and the occasional pay-per-view, but the likes of the Young Dragons and Courageous and Noble, don't sleep on them, Eric. Eric, I thought the penalty box match was fun folly but we got the idea very quickly and sending people to the penalty box what felt like 20 times during the match a little bit excessive i think that was a bit of oh maybe pro wrestling fans won't get this unless we do it many times well credit us with a bit of savvy we could have worked it out with just two or three but it was a a pleasant enough idea and it gave duggan yet another day in the sun because i'm not sure he really deserves one at the moment but you can't hate the big old lug can you and what else have we got? We had the, this one's going to stick with me for a while. And guys, I hope you can all join me on the WCW show in January 2006. Because the first thing I will bring up to you is whether Chuck Palumbo kept his promise that in five years time, he and Sean O'Hare would be the future of the industry. Sure. I th- sure. I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't want to be unkind, but... <laughs> If somebody wants to lay a tenor on that, I would cheerfully take that bet against it. Let's let's leave it at that, shall we? It was a bold claim. And it's going to get him noticed, but maybe not for the reasons. To, and that match was pretty drab as well. But I thought it was a well put together pay-per-view. I did feel like people were trying to show themselves off, but that's OK. These pay-per-views are fairly low risk at the moment. It's all about jostling for position in the roster. And with the contract situation being as they are, and I would wager that, it might not a lot of wagering going on today. <laughs> My head on the shopping block. Well, almost. they are moving to Vegas, so there you go. <laughs> uh, nicely covered, Eric. That a lot of the lower card guys, maybe their contracts suddenly won't find themselves moved over. People can talk and things can be done, but a lot of the performances they put in today should go a long way to hope, hopefully keep them safe. But, can we also quickly go back to the Douglas uh, G-Vection match with the fact it that it was a first blood chain match where Douglas was asking for submissions to be the referee asking for the submission 
at the beginning, working over a knee into submission, continually working to a submission win. I think suddenly realising when Hugh got out of the ring to get the ladder to actually get to where they wanted to be. So it felt a bit like, having watched it not long ago, was it uh, Valentine and, I can't remember his name? Ronnie Garvin. Rumble Ronnie Knight. Garvin, yeah. When it's submissions only going for pinfalls. It was just like, what are you doing? He's asking the ref, ask him, ask him, you know, is, is he going to quit? Is he going to quit? It's a first blood chain match. It's above your head, Shane. What are you doing? And then and the, the commentators, bless them. I think we haven't mentioned them either, by the way, without Madden being there. Did quite a good job on the night, to be yeah, fair. Did, did quite well. But they kept covering that, oh, yeah, well, if he can't stand up, uh, he can't get to the chain. So I think they covered Douglas quite well there. But it didn't make a lot of sense. So they just didn't go and try and get a ladder and, and work it work it that way. But I just thought I'd throw that in. Well, I was watching it in slight confusion at one point. You saved yourself there, Peter. I was worried you were going to try to praise the bloke at some point there. But, oh, uh, no, 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 no. Please. That, that sounded like 60 seconds of well put because you were a very polite gentleman, Mr. Kimber, but criticism of Shane Douglas. So keep playing. <laughs> Let, let's get to, let's get to the first. I knew it wouldn't work. Knew it wouldn't work. Let's get to the final two matches, shall we? So totally buff versus Goldberg and indeed Sergeant Dwayne Bruce. If Team Goldberg lose, then both the streak and his career are over. Or as Buffer cack-mouthedly words it, banned from WCW for the rest of his life. Sarge is introduced as being from Paytonsville. Did I get that right, Eric? I don't know. I've never heard of Paytonsville. <laughs> this is this is kind of my point. Because I originally heard it as Pentonville, which given oh. his performance in this match could well be where he ends up. Oh, Give me a Buffer. second here. <laughs> you... Pentonville being a prison in the UK. Yes. Oh, <laughs> but I, I really see... need to know where he's from. You guys suckered me into a British joke, and that's not fair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what are we giving you the the glory of finding out now where Sergeant Dwayne Bruce is actually from? It's the highlight well, of his day. <laughs> give your give your match give your match uh, give your match breakdown, and by the time you come out of it, we'll know for sure. Thumb through your PWI book. I'm grabbing well, the I, almanac now. Yeah, I'm grabbing the almanac. Good luck. Buffer actually completes his spiel before the contest begins this time for the first time since October. Goldberg and Lex kick us off and we have definitely attended this rodeo in the past. Right down to the rutting stag lockup and knees in the corner and, 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 and the leaping shoulder block off the ropes. Yes, I like that move. And big punches too. And they give Bill the early advantage. But I don't like that semi belly to belly suplex come throw of his. Bagwell in and here's a suplex, but Bill ain't selling tonight, brother. Press slam into a power slam, and now here's the Sarge. And his elbow drop off the ropes suggests a real do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do method for his schooling. <laughs> the heels beat them down both inside and outside, including a whip to the Rory rail. Every bloody show. He's out at two following a Luger clothesline, and then Goldberg makes the save from a double B, double arm DDT. Rear chin lock, and you know that one is in the power plant final exam, until Bruce battles back. Bill breaks up the pin after the bionic forearm, as he had to, and then Dwayne with a desperation suplex. Hot tag, and it really was a hot tag, as the big fella can do his stuff. Scary pump handle release suplex, whilst Luger gets involved with a fan, who Goldberg signed an autograph for earlier. Said fan happens to have some pepper spray about his person, and you know who the eventual target of it is. For whatever reason... I was rather hoping the fan would be the same kid who impersonated Roddy Piper in June 94, but no luck. Please, Jerry, I'm begging 
begging you. I'm begging you, please. <laughs> Don't make me fight you. <laughs> please, I, I want to back out right now. Bill lashes out blindly and is still able to take Buff out, but now Lex has the chair and there are no DQs in this one. Lex lifts Bill up on his shoulders and therefore we get a blockbuster device. After a weird pause, Luger goes for the cover and secures the three count. They try to sell this as the seismic moment it admittedly should be, but neither Shivani or especially Hudson are doing much to convince me. It's all a bit detached. Eric, most important bit of news first. Where does Sergeant Dwayne Bruce really hail from? And just, secondly, this is it for Goldberg? Like this? I hate to be disappointing, but Atlanta, Georgia is the best that I can do. That's, so that's, that's fine enough. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Watching this show, and so you watch the show and you don't know anything, and you think, oh, this is weird, right? Like, why would Goldberg just lose again? And why would they do this angle? And it, it just doesn't seem to make any sense, or at least it seems to be building... Um, but really what it is, is two things. One, uh, Bischoff has made it clear that he wants to start systematically taking people off the air in order to kind of give them some rebranding and boosting for when WCW relaunches under the Fusion Media Ventures uh, umbrella. So that's one thing that's probably happening here. The other thing is here is I've read a couple places that Goldberg uh, maybe has a messed up shoulder. And so he's going to go get that taken care of in in tandem with being taken off uh, to for the relaunch, so they're just gonna they're gonna go and uh, uh, what does Jim Ross say? Go off and uh, learn a new hold or something. Bill's just gonna go off and learn a new hold and come back in April in Las Vegas when they're at the MGM or the Hard Rock. So this doesn't make any sense and it doesn't help them in the next three or four months. But it seems to be one indication that Bischoff is calling the shots to some degree because it falls in line with what he has said he wants to do. The match itself was absolute dog shit. It really was, wasn't it? <laughs> Peter, a match that Eric has summed up all too well there and the supposed retirement of Goldberg. Eric, a poor man's got to try and follow that. <laughs> I think Eric's nailed it absolutely into, into... I'll have a go, though. Um, I think whenever you're aligned with the Sarge, it's only going to end one way, surely, because, you know, that guy... You mentioned, you know, talk about the power plant head teacher whose best move on the night was probably the, the chin lock and just desperation, hot tag. And then Goldberg, the star of the of the show and the fans are, are wild for just takes over. So, but actually Massage didn't probably cost obviously Bill the match. Obviously this, this rogue, I, I, I watched it not knowing obviously what was going to happen clearly. Um, when he did spray him, I thought, oh, hello. And then suddenly the security guards literally tackling him big time, trying to jostle him and get him into like a lock on the side of the ring. And then suddenly I think Luger came over and said, no, 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 he's all right. And then he just parted the waves and let the fan just stand there and watch. So I thought, ah, OK, but now we have a now we have a ruse where, you know, this guy was we never find out who this guy is or what, what's happened. And um the, the move that Goldberg lost to, the, the off-the-top rope blockbuster, Bagwell, Bagwell got nowhere near landing it anywhere no. like he should have done. Um, so the fact that Goldberg had to lie down for a hell of a long time after that move just made me think, poor, poor Bill. Maybe the best thing you can, Bill, is go away, have your shoulder sorted out, or go and just, just sit away and earn earn your, your big money and 
wait for this shitstorm to end and then come back in the in the saddle and maybe he could be back in uh, in top billing with the company again. But I'm kind of glad all this Sarge Goldberg stuff's done. Uh, didn't like seeing him lose at was it 35 or 36 or no. So he got nowhere near the streak that he was trying to get his title match. I think he's been treated pretty poorly, but I think he's obviously himself in the background has probably got a little bit above his station at times. I think his attitude towards the company isn't in the best position either, but if he can go away, get that shoulder sorted out, if this does all work itself through into April, they've got to be banking back on Goldberg because of how popular he is and, and he's someone you can, you can bank on, you know, in the past. So yeah, I think Eric, Absolutely nailed it with the word dog shit. So I tried to cover from there, but it wasn't really worth my bother, really, was it? <laughs> a noble effort, nevertheless. You know, Rory, if I can be complimentary just for a minute, this this is a pretty good way of just getting them off of this Goldberg streak nonsense that Russo started up again several months ago. I mean, he lost, he's gone, he'll be gone for a few months, and then he'll come back and nobody will care or remember. Um, but they can't. They obviously can't just continue on with this because in a reasonable wrestling company, you need your baby faces to be able to at least not win every match. Right. So and I think Goldberg is at a point in his career where he doesn't have to win every match as long as he wins the big matches. So um, I think this is this is a way it will be complimentary. This is a way of getting them off of that storyline ahead of their relaunch. So they they pulled they pulled the trigger and it it was never going to end well. And it's fine. And if he comes back in April and steamrolls Lex and steamrolls Buff and then chases Steiner, then we're all good. Totally agree. Yes, absolutely. The way they did it was fine. It's getting Bischoff, Bischoff, <laughs> Bischoff, if only getting Bischoff out of the picture, getting Goldberg out of the picture for a while until Bischoff brings him back in April, because we all know that's going to happen. But keep Goldberg away, as Peter says, from the shitstorm for a few weeks. Let us pretend to forget about him. And he you know, rips into Luger again and Bagwell on the first night show in April and all is right with the world. And that was a good thing because there weren't many of them impairing him here with Sarge. It made it seem a little more low key. I said there in my play by play that it was all rather detached. Just thinking about it now, I'm not necessarily sure that's entirely a bad thing. Because if it was all sackcloth and ashes and they were reading the runes for Bischoff's career and it would have felt a bit over mawkish and that would have been a little more difficult to square when he inevitably comes back. Here, where it was just a bit, oh well, ho-hum, there goes Bischoff. Doing it again. There goes Goldberg. <laughs> how, how can I confuse Bischoff and Goldberg? For goodness sake? <laughs> I just want this whole thing to be over. That's what it is. There goes Goldberg again. A few months. You can blame the Sarge for it if you really want to. He's not really hurt by it. Most importantly, get his shoulder sorted out. I feel like we've been talking about the Goldberg shoulder injury. I got his name right this time for a good few months. So now is the best opportunity to get that sorted so he can be fit. Because I do think Bill Goldberg is somebody who needs to be 100% fit. I don't think he can gut his way through matches. He's not that sort of wrestler. But they've got to try to keep him on side. However they do it, whatever contract manipulation needs to be done come April, because if they lose him, then 
this is all academic as far as I'm concerned. Although it does at least mean I won't have any chance of getting his name wrong again. And you will also notice that I have spent no time at all talking about the match. So let's get, so let's get to the main event, shall we? That's oh. just what they wanted. That's just, they, it, that was a successful match because they got exactly what they wanted out of it. In the final three seconds, in the final three seconds only. I've been doing this for many years now. I, I know the score. But let's talk about the main event. Oh, yes. Let's, for the four-way dance that is the world title match to close us out on Sin 2001, Jeff Jarrett versus Sid versus champion Scott Steiner versus... So, who is the mystery opponent? Well, Ric Flair is out here to tell us and cuts off Buffer in order to do so. But... We learn he never said when he would reveal him. Oh, the suspense is killing me. I think it's the suspense anyway. The match begins with three guys then, and Sid quickly gets dumped out. Double J goes after Sid, but is swiftly taken down. Jarrett blocks the choke slam, but does take a side slam. And now ten punches for the champ. Steiner with a kick to the face and belly to belly, but Sid gets his foot on the ropes. Jeff didn't try to break it up. Close line for Sid, and already the heels are toying with him. Outside again, and Sid takes the lightest whip over the barricade I have ever seen. He was barely sauntering his way towards it. But despite, or maybe because of that sort of thing, I still love the man. Back in, he blocks a buckle shot, and there are the corn-cutting punches. Yay! Powerbomb is prevented. Simple taste. Powerbomb is prevented, and now Steiner lets Jarrett make the pin. Sid is out at two, though. Sid then reverses a double suplex into one of his own, but he only just got Jarrett over all the way safely. I can't defend that one. Close line and boots for all, and then a big choke slam for Jeff. Steiner recovers before the three. Cobra clutch slam from Sid, but he goes after Double J instead. He hops back in and attempts a leg drop off the top. Mm. Oh, Sid. Mm. He misses badly, and do I ever mean badly. As we then hear a guttural scream from him as his left leg is destroyed. I can barely even describe how terrible that injury looks. We quickly cut to the back and it is Flair with the still masked mystery man. They'd better get him out there pretty damn sharpish. Sid is clearly in a huge amount of distress and Steiner finally cottons onto this and kills time with some press ups and joins with the crowd. Also, Sprack Zarathustra plays and who is it then, Rick? As Steiner now pins the stricken Sid for three. We get the reveal, and Road Warrior Animal. The crowd reaction goes quickly from shock to disappointment, as the show is wisely taken off the air right there and then. Peter, I'm going to throw to you with Tony's own show closing words. Road Warrior Animal, are you kidding me? I think I'd rather have seen the replay of the leg break than see <laughs> animals' um, appearance. And, uh, oh dear, yeah, that was, uh, there was lots of talk about who it would be. And I think, obviously, you kind of looked at the, the size of the guy coming out. But, yeah, I think you can't obviously mention anything about poor Sid, poor Sidney, bless him. I believe he was asked to sort of look at his repertoire, wasn't he, and try and, you know, be a bit more don't use the word flashy in the ring with a, you know, coming off the, the second rope to do that kind of move. And uh, obviously massively backfired. I felt so sorry for the guy lying there. So stricken. He might, even have, he might even have grounds for a lawsuit on that. 
Yes. WCW could do with another one of those right about now. <laughs> of course. But Johnny it, Ace is being blamed for making Sid go up to the top. Right, yes, by the way. that's right. Oh, but the Laurinaitis a, scourge is strong this month. I was going to say, that's a <laughs> now, good point. Now it's all making sense, isn't it? <laughs> it all links together nicely, doesn't it? Um, yeah, but it, took, it just took so long to realise what had happened, I think. The referee didn't really... I think he was a bit bewildered as to what goes. Sid's clearly lying there going, yeah, my leg is actually hanging off i have broken it there it's gone you know i'm moving from where i am stein i think eventually i thought he was going to try and pick him up and carry on working with the guy but sids was quite calmly laying there talking you know or obviously not probably talking but hysterically trying to say look this is happening and i think animals reveal was just the biggest squib but i think by that point because of what had already happened it didn't really matter anyway i think they, they just lost all interest in in fact, there was animal, and it meant that Sid Blessing had been up against a three-on-one. So <coughs> Ric Flair's, you know, mystery man to go against Steiner's already turned against Flair. You mentioned Sid's punches, just embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. And I think we've all liked Sid over over time, but those punches just really dispel any sort of belief. <laughs> <laughs> horrendous but I think, dreadful, but dreadful. yes indeed and I think it's just a bit of a shame because I think Sid's done a pretty good job of carrying this on his own against the tide Jarrett's that interesting kind of what's happening you know with Steiner and himself because there is that hint that he wanted to try and get a few pins in and maybe sneak the the title win so that's something to look out for maybe moving forward but you can't Obviously, overshadowing all of it was was poor Sid, and that's him out of the uh, the April relaunch indefinitely, unless he comes out in a Doctor Xavier style wheelchair role as a commissioner or something. You never know, but yeah, I think it was what it was. I'm, got, I'm glad Steiner won. So I think Steiner's a, a good guy to carry on. You know, he's uh, someone that can hang a hang a hat on as a serious. You know, champion at WCW moving forward, particularly now Goldberg's out of the picture for a little bit. So, yeah, but just dominated by that horrific injury. He's going to be out for about a year, so Tony Schiavone said on Nitro. And given the severity of the leg break and that he can't even put weight on it at the time of recording, that seems maybe even a generous prognosis. But Sid, mm-hmm. for all your faults, do get well soon, as soon as you can, son. Horrible, horrible stuff. Eric, take all of that for us. Yeah, just as an aside, is this the worst injury that y'all can remember? Because for me, I think it might be. I can't um, at least don't want to think of a worse one. Oh. I was, in, I was re- having in wrestling. A, in wrestling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in wrestling. <sighs> I was having be. a hard time. Yeah. I'll let you on it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, it's hard to judge this match because you can kind of see where they were going, especially in the context of the rest of the Nitros and dare I say Thunder uh, for the rest of the month, where ultimately what this was supposed to result in was Ric Flair turning as a heel commissioner and bringing in Road Warrior animals as his his bodyguard. So I think how this was supposed to go was uh, Sid was supposed to probably, no pun intended, try to get a a leg up on the two-on-one attack with Jarrett and Steiner, and at which point the mystery partner would come out, it would be revealed to be a road warrior animal, who would then turn on Sid, obviously, and thus establishing Ric Flair and Animal as heels aligned with Steiner and Jarrett, cost it the belt, etc. There you go. So that's how I think it was supposed to go, 
And if it had gone that way, like, okay, fine. At least there's something there. But like the, the thing about WCW that they've always been bad about is audibling when something goes, goes wrong. And here they just needed to audible and not do any of it. Um, or, or figure out or have animal come in and make the save for Sid after all of this and then, you know, and then explain it later. And then he can do the heel turn or something, but like, you can't just have the guy come in, kick Sid once and then Steiner pins him. Now it's just things like this happen. And where one area where WCW has routinely failed, especially compared to the WWF and even ECW, who's very good at improvising um, or at least has been in the past is, is improvising when things don't go exactly how they're planned. And here, I think if there was, a better leadership and maybe some more confidence with, with the people they have on top, they could have done something to make it just not so awkward and flat and acknowledge the real life circumstance that Sid was in. So I think they were, they were put up against the wall and I think that they did not respond how we would have preferred. And it made a bad situation even worse in the context of the show. Certainly that pales in comparison to the actual injury that Sid suffered a big guy pushing probably in his mid to late thirties now with a severe lower extremity injury. Like that's going to be tough. Um, the angle as it was envisioned, I don't necessarily think is a main event angle, but at least it was something. So I don't know whether we, whether we would have been satisfied by the conclusion of the show, had it gone off as we, you know, as it was intended. But I think WCW did themselves no favors with how they handled what what came up during those events. Uh, it was really poor, and there's a lot of precedent here, as you say, Eric. I remember a few months ago when Paul Orndorff suffered a stinger in the ring, and it oh, took a good horrible. three or four minutes for people to try and realize, um, and you're still working around this guy. Guys, someone take the initiative here and just go home. Taking liberties like that with a neck injury in the ring. Are you kidding me? And here we are. Why it took Scott Steiner is Scott Steiner. We know what he's like, but I refuse to believe or maybe just want to refuse to believe that he would be so. And I'm going to use that word. And this someone has some connotations now unprofessional in this situation. The match was only about eight minutes in total. I felt like it took him an eternity to realize what was going on there. Yeah, uh, it's just not good at all. Just have a quick conflab with the referee and just get out of there. But even the ref, even the ref was just sort of <laughs> yeah. just quietly talking to Sid, but not doing yeah. anything. Not didn't chuck an X up, didn't go to Scott Steiner and go, his legs absolutely. You need to let's just pin him, just just do something and let's get out of here. You know, you can't do anything with this guy. If you do anything more, it could be even worse. Yeah, but it was yeah, nothing, I, nothing at all. I feel like in the Fed when something like this happens, you see Kyoto or Hebner or Timmy White literally run out of the ring and communicate with someone who can actually talk to the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come into the ring and then they, they carry it forward. But here the referee just seemed like he was stunned silence. And like the referee is your traffic cop. And if you can't rely on that guy, you're screwed. And like, yeah, everybody here, this was just a systematic failure. Yeah. Poor show all around. It doesn't bode well. It really doesn't. It's this is live entertainment. Things can go wrong. Things do go wrong. You need to be like I said before, so many things we talked about on these shows that you cannot out and out legislate for. There's no break glass in case of emergency button. I know that, but you've got to at least have the wherewithal to expect something off script, something bad off script 
can happen. You've got to be able to react to it because something bad invariably means somebody's health is being endangered. And you just do not keep on with the entertainment in that situation. You just got to have clearer heads. Uh, we've seen enough. The ultimate example, sadly, as well, not all that long ago. You've got to be on the ball. You it's need to have it at the back of your mind at all times that it could happen. Not expecting that it will, but that it could. So when it does, and we hope those occasions are very, very rare, you know how to respond. And here nobody did until way too late. And they're not rookies, are they? Ian no, Jarrett, not at all. Been in the business for years. Steiner's been around for years and years. Even Sid himself could have just shouted something to, you know, Bless him, he probably is absolved from all blame here. But you know, somebody should have just said something or done something to distract away from what happened. And I don't know, chuck the referee out, DQ finish, let's forget about this, move on. But they're just total negligence of the whole situation. Or Jared, like if Ste- yeah, if Steiner's supposed, supposed to keep the belt, you just stop the match. Like, yeah, the match is just over, same outcome. Like, yeah. and then you explain it later. And apparently, exactly. the reports, the reports in the torch were that the crowd was completely understanding of this because everybody saw <laughs> yes, what I'm happened. Sure, they were. Of course. So you weren't going to get any blowback there. Like, yeah, I don't know. This is just, this is an ugly, this is an ugly cap on an otherwise generally entertaining event, save for that Goldberg's segment. Absolutely. And if there's any good to come of this, and um, there isn't until Sid is back in full health, which is what we all want as soon as possible. It does at least mean we don't spend too long comparing Road Warrior Animal with Jimmy Snooker at Survivor Series 96. And worst of all, you know it's coming. Savio Bay <laughs> with No Way Out of Texas. Yes, there he is. That was a podcast classic moment where Mr. Landstrom attempted to defend the choice of Mr. Vega, and then hey. gave up after about 30 seconds. De- wait, wait, De- deathmatch wrestler in a deathmatch. Who else could you? Who else could you possibly want? Don't start again, Eric. L- L- Listeners, go back to listen to that show. Go back. February '98. It's an astounding effort, but ultimately a losing one. I'm afraid. Let's wrap bunch up of, since bunch, 2000. Bunch of marks all over you. <laughs> He's been waiting so long to call us that. Sin 2001, let's wrap it up with a quick review and a score rating out of 10. Uh, Eric, you first, mate. Yeah, as we've discussed, the first hour, hour and a half of this would have, uh, you know, this may not sound as a compliment for a, for a show you pay for, but the first hour and a half of the show would have been about the best episode of Nitro they've had since like 97 or 98. And I think that's high, high praise. Good wrestling. They kept it in the ring. It was exactly what an undercard or preliminary a uh, few matches need need to look like. It got a little weird in the middle, a little too much Shane Douglas for all of our taste. Um, some of the stipulations fell apart, and the WCW kind of fell into its old ways a little bit to bring the show home. We've pandered the goal, we've panned the Goldberg thing enough, but ultimately I think if they pay it, if they pay it off, and that's the biggest caveat in the history of WCW is if they pay it off, it's explainable. And then the main event, you never want anything like this to happen. But what you do want is a company to be prepared for the worst case scenario. And clearly here, WCW wasn't, it doesn't necessarily reflect on their in-ring product until it like makes the end of a show fall completely flat, forgivable, enjoyable undercard, not a show that we had too many negative things to say about from an in-ring perspective, based on the things that could be controlled. Hard to say. I'm going to give a show of high praise for WCW five and a half out of 10. Your thoughts and score out of 10, please, Pete. 
I was thinking if I said five, am I, am I out of the, the water? But clearly I'm not. So I was going to go with five based on, which sounds low, but I guess from where we've been with this bar, not necessarily. But yeah, I think the, the, the show was a surprising, easy watch in terms of, you know, that first, as you say, the first hour and a half, those first matches breezed by with, you know, all kind of made sense. Good action, good, you know, kept me there. I watched it. I did watch it in two sittings in the end, my, my the tape that I had. Um, just did a bit of a break after one of the matches and then got back in. And then the second half really WCW, WCW itself, didn't it? Basically that last, that last hour, which was going to happen at some point. But I think, you know, as Eric said, if, if the Goldberg thing pays off, the main event, what happened, we, you couldn't, you know, no one could have expected that situation to arise. Quite how it would have ended with the... Uh, the animal uh, situation as well. But yeah, I'm going to go for a five, which I think in WCW is a pretty, pretty high praise. I am also at a five. It was heading for something a little bit higher than that in the first hour, but we've been here long enough to know that second half of WCW pay-per-views very much fall into the more things change, the more they stay the same category. So with that in mind, a five is a bit of a victory, really. Like I said 20 minutes ago, the people who I think really needed to show themselves on this card did so. They know who they are. They've got a lot more to prove, rightly or wrongly. The usual suspects, as we're going to euphemistically call them, did everything you would expect from them as well. But we all know what that means, do we not? And cast like a pall over this event will what happened to Sid in the final match. And as it's one of those where I can't really recommend watching the whole show. I you just do you really do not want to see what happened at the end there. It goes way beyond morbid fascination or anything of that ilk. It's just horrible. And if you are gonna watch to the very end, just fast forward that two minute bit, please, for everybody's sake and you want to make sure you sleep that night but a five out of ten for the show cautious optimism has been ever <laughs> since the last year and a half <laughs> cautious. i just need to rename this bloody podcast don't i especially for the wcw <laughs> cautiously optimistic i am with a five out of ten for the sin pay-per-view So just before we head out of the time machine for another month, Eric, there's something you want to mention that occurred snuck in just inside January. It, it did. And thank you for giving me the indulgence uh, to, to do this. But I think in the spirit of WCW and in the spirit of a company in transition, why not look back at, at, at something? And, 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 you know, as old school fans of Crockett, uh, like myself, and I know Chris Lacey and you two gentlemen to some degree as well. Anytime Dusty Rhodes is popping up on television, we have to talk about it here on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago uh, project. So 
uh, January 29th, Nitro. I mentioned during the pay-per-view reveal that Ric Flair ultimately is has become a heel commissioner um, or a heel uh, showrunner, whatever his uh, his uh, position is. He's a heel. And he uh, is trying to bring in new talent. So Ric Flair comes to the ring and he says, I'm going to bring in my new stead. And it's Dustin Rhodes, not gold dust, not any of his other uh, permutations, but Dustin Rhodes. And he looks okay. And Flair's trying to get him to sign the contract. And Dustin does his thing. Ultimately, Road Warrior Animal comes out. As I said, he's Ric Flair's heavy. And they put the boots to Dustin. And then who would emerge but the American Dream, Dustin uh, Rhodes. American, sorry. No, the good Dusty Rhodes. Um, <laughs> no, no polka dots here. No, no polka dots here, folks. This is Dusty more akin to the Dusty Rhodes uh, who uh, beat Steve Carino a few months ago. Cowboy hat, big baggy shirt. Dusty has not been uh, uh, skipping a day of retirement, let me tell you, folks. But boy, does he still have charisma. So he comes to the ring, and he and Dustin put the you know put the wood to flare and to, to Road Warrior Animal. And Dusty effectively puts over the new regime of WCW. He says, you know, you know, Ric Flair, you're in charge now, but as soon as the sale goes through, who knows? And Dusty basically just put over WCW as this historical thing. And I think it was a really nice reminder to say, hey, look, WCW does mean something, and it has meant something. And here's Dusty Rhodes to remind you also, I can't think of a better person to be around if he's going to behave when you're trying to rebrand WCW, then Dusty Rhodes, if he's going to stick around for a while, seems like he might. This is pretty cool to have Dusty Rhodes around to kind of bridge the gap between WCW from Crockett to WCW to Turner to WCW Diffusion, if that's how it's going to go. I, I think it's pretty cool. And if you just want to, you know, an old school cheap pop as a wrestling fan and you've been slogging through the nitros as we are, the January 29th nitro about halfway through Dusty Rhodes shows up good old fashioned wrestling fun strongest recommendations peter what do you make of the return of the man who lives on the end of a lightning bolt baby <laughs> well you've got to love dusty haven't you? if you don't i don't know you can't be a wrestling fan can you and the fact that it's, it's aligned to flair as well just take takes you back to to that feud which will never probably end and uh, those two together i know there's been a lot of you know things that have happened previously you mentioned Eric about behaving and I think when Dusty had the had the book in the back and you know the Dusty finish which became quite famous isn't it I suppose but I think from a nostalgia point of view what there's something for, for Eric to look at you know why not have that that you know just for that nostalgia and you know this is WCW this was WCW you know a bit of a hark back to maybe some better times and when it really was you know, a big thing and a big deal. So no, I can't, I don't want to see him on the commentary box because I can't listen to Belly Welly or that sort of scenario again, oh. again back in the day. But maybe him and Tony again, you never know, could, could rekindle that magic they had. I don't know, but probably not. But I think as an on-screen character with Dustin, makes perfect sense up against Flair and a, uh, an animal, whoever's going to be. It's, it's, it's harmless enough. And I think it's, as you say, it's entertaining. Um, all for it and you know let's see what february brings i suppose with it she clotheslined them baby she clotheslined them <laughs> she's got a bicycle got a bicycle oh, they're all coming out now 
yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's a place for Dusty in 2001 WCW, but it is not wearing a headset, as Peter has rightly intimated. Oh, but... you guys are too cool. Oh, you can't say that <laughs> now. You're upset, Eric. Now you're upset, Eric. Now jaded, cynical fan is how you describe me on more than one occasion, Eric. And I'm not exactly giving the lie to that description, right? <laughs> Never. You'd have to have the proverbial heart of stone to not want to see him. Even when you should be looking to the future, he still dusts the effing roads, isn't he? And used the right way in some war of words with Ric Flair. They can still get it done on the mic. I hope nobody gets any other ideas. Back and forth on the mic, those two in earlier one. Always find some time for that. So welcome back. A Mike Sanders promo against Dusty. There you go. No comparisons there. The Steve Carino of of WCW, Mike Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Surely, surely you mean Chuck Palombo versus Dusty Rhodes. Well, Something there we actually go. On dust, you know, the future of the industry. Well, Come on. You guys make a really interesting point, though, which is WCW has a lot of really young guys who are really shit at promos. And what they have now is another guy who can cut a promo on behalf of a whole bunch of guys who are bad at promos. So, yes. like, that, 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 that can't be bad. So, back in 2021, we are with another WCW show in the books. Count em, count em. Eric, I'd like to thank you, as always, for joining me. It's getting weird, man. Um, uh, things are about to get even more strange, bizarre, and we're headed headlong towards March and early April. And, you know, it's not going to, things don't slow down here. Um, it's going to get weird. Very, very weird. Anything else you'd like to plug, my man? Just uh, follow us on Twitter at Wrestling20YRS. Lots of spirited debate, lots of conversations with other shows on this very same topic. Uh, it's just it's just, it's a fun follow, and um, we're all on there. And so if you want to chat, chat with us individually, just link with the show account, and you'll, you'll see us pop up here and there whenever the uh, high leader Rory decides that one of us is worthy of a retweet. So... Um, <laughs> But well, I'll just dish them out, you know. They've got find the, us they there. Are oh, and the bonus, the bonus shows, the quiz shows. Check those out too. Those are fun. We're gonna try to mix in some additional stuff to fill in the lack of content that we're about to be faced with with the consolidation of North American wrestling. That's fun. So wrestling twenty YRS on Twitter and stay tuned because we've got some as uh, one of our favorites would say, good shit, pal, coming your way. <laughs> one of our favourites well he's going to have to be for at least another year or so and Pete thank you again for joining us for the second successive month to talk about whatever been the a... hell was happening at WCW <laughs> been a pleasure as ever and I think I have to plug the the show I think that's going out which is uh, Rory's technical difficulties led to what can only be described as an interesting um, World War 95 and 96 quiz which I think is a good 45 minutes of interesting uh, content to have a good listen to. If you want to hear Dell shouting Supergiant Ninja, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, it's quite, quite, quite a good listen and, and really good to get involved in. So it's a good laugh. And I think in these times as well, it was quite, quite good to do and uh, a bit of a bit of a time out from the world we're living in right now. So it was really good. So I can urge you all to go listen to that and obviously pick up the show as well. And as you say, these next couple of months are going to be very interesting. But as you say, weird at the same time when, yeah, this this all began. And I don't think anybody would would have predicted 
what was going to happen or what was going to happen going forward. But, you know, we'll be here, we'll cover it, we'll do what we need to do for it and we'll give it the best we can. It's going to be so strange in so many ways. Great stuff there, Peter. Yes, do check out the semi-pilot of our quiz show, which was put together very, very quickly while I was having major issues with both Wi-Fi and Zoom, while Bamba stepped up to the plate on that one. That show is available now to Er is Human, I've called it, think about it, episode zero. Do check out that one. The proper quiz that I did manage to get up and get mounted will be out in a few days' time as soon as I finish editing it. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, You can also hear me in many other places around about the... Place to be Nation Wrestling Network. I've got my monthly show on their senior video where I look at WWE home video classics. I've got my monthly show of special relations with Ben Locke and Callum McDougall. I was also a guest on, funny you should mention, Mr. Dusty Rose Eric in the timeline. I was guest on the brilliant NWA Crock and Roll show talking about the small matter of NWA November 1985 where you've only got the announcement of an I Quit match between Tully and Magnum. Yeah, I was going to say. That's, got that's Minor stuff have you got? Oh, Arn says the words four horsemen in a promo. Oh, and Dusty Rhodes talks about solid hours or something like that. Was it hard times? Or something, some quick Dusty Rhodes meaningless promo that we, for some reason, dedicated about half an hour to discussing. I'm not sure why, but do check that one out. First half of November 1985, I'll be on the show for the second half of November 85 as well. That should drop in a couple of weeks. Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, WWF show coming up soon, Royal Rumble 01, and what will be a very fascinating ECW show with Chris Lacey and Yully. Whoa, that's going to blow a few things open, I think. But yes, as the boys have said, we are almost done with World Championship Wrestling. And like so many of the big things that have happened in the last seven and a half years, we've known it was going to happen, because we do really, but... When you do things like this in timeline, you do get subsumed into it. You do get taken back, which is part of the point of us doing this. So when we eventually come to the middle of March and the consolidation of North American wrestling, as you called it, Eric, what a brilliant description, is actually going to happen for us. And we're going to be living through it all over again. That's going to be quite the time. And who knows how it's going to shake down in two months time. But be sure to listen in, and it's going to be an amazing listening experience. We're going to guarantee that one for you. But for now, that is January in the books. We're not quite there yet. One more timeline month of normality to come before all the heavy stuff really hits in March. And from Eric Landstrom and Pete Kimber, I have been Rory McNamara. Thank you so much for listening to this, and we will catch you next time. Oh, boy, you're Are you kidding me? 